Well, hey, Friendship Family, Pastor Andrew here. We are calling an audible this week. So you may be watching this on Wednesday night of this week. Maybe it's Sunday morning, maybe it's another time. Uh, but I'm calling an audible because, you know, we've been talking about prayer in hopes that uh, it would help us to pray more often, that it would help us to pray more earnestly, and that it would help us to pray with more, you know, understanding as we pray. But, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about praying. It's one thing to learn and grow in our understanding of how to pray. But you know what? It's, it's a whole different thing to actually just pray. And what I think that we need, y'all, is we need to pray. We need to pray. We're going to finish out this, this series in um, Teach Us to Pray, talking through the last couple phrases of the Lord's Prayer over the next couple weeks. But I just felt, I just felt compelled to, to, to take a time out and to stop and pray. You know, I know the season for you probably hasn't been the easiest. It hasn't been the easiest for me either. You know, as a pastor, this has been such a weird season to go through, um, being part of leading a church, especially, you know, my very first year here, last month in the month of June, we celebrated a year here in South Carolina. Uh, and who would have ever thought that the, the last quarter of my first year, we would have been, we would have spent it, you know, at home, not actually worshiping in person together, but doing this, you know, online stuff. And I think there's a great place for this. I think we needed to up our game when it comes to our online presence, but none of us want to stay here, right? We want to be in person, meeting face to face, and uh, I think that's a good thing. As time has, has, has gone on, I think probably you would agree for yourself as well, it's gotten more difficult and it's been a little bit more um, challenging and it has been in so many ways for me. I feel like I've I've done pretty well, um, but man, I'm I'm feeling it. It's wearing on me. There's there's times of discouragement. There's times of questioning and wondering, and I and I I I know you feel me too on this. One of the things that I've had to do uh, as of today actually is I've had to shut off social media. I've just had to shut it off for a number of reasons. One is because I've been fighting comparison. You know, it's, it's easy to look out at other, uh, other churches, other friends, other pastors that I know, other ministries that are doing things differently or maybe in a different part of the country where things are going differently in their state or city. Um, you know, I, I've just had to fight some comparison things and, and looking around at other people, you know, I've had to fight some uh, frustration, to be honest, um, particularly in the, in the behavior of God's people. Just to, to look around and hear and see the things that followers of Jesus, people that would call you know, themselves followers of Christ, their, their behavior online. And, you know, unfortunately, that may include some of you. I've had to look around and fight off frustration by the way that I see followers of Jesus behaving and speaking in ways that I don't believe reflect Christ at all. And so I've had to fight frustration. I've had to, fr I've had to fight disappointment and sadness. 
you know, there's all kinds of stuff that, that, that's posted out there and um, just the, the banter and the attitudes that people have towards one another. Some of the stuff you, you, you read can get depressing and, uh, and it can make you sad. And I, I fought all that stuff. And so today I said, I'm shutting off this stuff for, for a while, for the foreseeable future. You know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna bury my head in the sand and act like nothing's happening. But at the same time, I don't wanna spend all of my time online, um, you know, feeling like uh, I'm being called names and I'm being talked down to, or I'm being yelled at, or I'm being torn down, or overall just being discouraged. And I feel like the more time I spend online, even though there's so many good things, and, and social media and connections and all those kind of things, I don't want to spend most of my time online feeling discouraged. You know, when I see the things that, that my Facebook friends or whatever post, it's like if you, had, if you had these kind of friends that say these kind of things to you, maybe not directly to you, but in general towards you because you don't you know, fall on the same point of view as they do. If you had friends like that in real life, in person, I would say this you need to get some new friends <laughs> or else you need to limit your exposure to those kind of friends. Friends that just constantly discourage and tear down and say nothing kind, have no compassion. And I would say find some new friends or limit your exposure to them. And so that's what I'm doing because I feel like so many of my friends, quote unquote friends, are doing nothing to edify or build me up or to encourage me. And it's just discouraging. And so I've had to shut off all that stuff. You know, I hate what I'm seeing, y'all. I hate what I'm seeing from God's people. And I hate what it's doing in my heart. And I hate what, you know, possibly it's doing in your heart. And so all of these things, this is kind of the reason why, you know, we're in the series talking about praying. I feel like we just need to stop and, and pray. I'll get, I'll get around more to what that means in a few minutes. But I just want to share a passage with you, you know, because... Again, here's, here's what I see. We're allowing, if, if you're really engaged in social media, you know, we are, I believe, we're allowing the stuff of this world to divide us in a big way. And so we need a timeout for real, y'all. We need a timeout so that we can come back to God and be united in the things that matter the things that are really of lasting importance and significance. And so that's what this time out is about. That's why I'm scrambling to get this, this sermon, you know, this, this little deal done so that you can watch it prior to Sunday because I have some things planned for Sunday that I want to tell you about. We need a time out. So here is my plea. Get off of Facebook and get on your face before God. I believe that's what we need to do. Is, and I use Facebook as a generic social media term. Get off of Facebook. Get on our faces before God. And I want to read a passage to you that has just been uh, on my heart today. You know, I just woke up with this burden to do something, to change things up, to call us to prayer. And of course, this passage came to me, and this is one that many of you will be familiar with. You've maybe seen it. I've, I've seen it on, posted along Highway 1 in Lugoff as I drive to the church. Um, 
I want to share this. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. If you know the verse, you know verse 14 is the verse we're going to hit, but there's some context here. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15. I'm going to give you the context. Second Chronicles chapter 7. It's during the, the time in Israel's history when they had kings. King David, who is Israel's greatest king, has passed off the scene and he's passed the, the, the baton to his son Solomon, who builds uh, the temple. He builds a temple for God. This was the, the place that represented God's presence. God, uh, Solomon builds the temple. David wanted to build it. God said, Mm-mm, you're a man of war. You're a bloody man. I'm going to let your son build it, though. And so David gathers all the materials. Solomon builds the temple. Solomon then dedicates the temple. I want to encourage you to read 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 7. Amazing chapters of Scripture. Chapter 6, Solomon is dedicating the temple. He, he dedicates it uh, by praying this incredible prayer, one of the greatest prayers, I think, in all of Scripture. And, and, and Solomon dedicates this, this temple, this dwelling place of God, through prayer. And what we see in chapter 7, then, following this prayer of dedication, is that fire falls down from heaven, and, and, and God's glory fills the temple. And the people begin to worship, and they begin to sacrifice, and they celebrate. And we see that Solomon allows a celebration to, to go on for seven days. I mean, this is a party, y'all, because God, you know, the temple has been built. God's fire has fallen. His presence, His glory fills the temple. God is, is amongst His people. There's a reason to celebrate. And this is the context we find as we move into 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse number, uh, verse number 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night. Okay, so Solomon prays dedicates the temple publicly, and here in chapter 7, God comes to him and responds to him privately at night. Verse number 12, the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. So as Solomon dedicates it, he's basically inviting the Lord, saying, Lord, we built this for you. This is to be your temple, to be your dwelling place. Would you, would you come and inhabit this place? Would you accept what we, the work of our hands? And God says, yes, I have chosen this place for myself as a house. I want you to hear what he says, a house of sacrifice. House of sacrifice. You may recall in, in the New Testament later on, Jesus comes on the scene and he bursts into the temple in one of his most famous moments and he's, he's angry because of the money changers. They've made this, the temple a, a place of merchandise, a house of merchandise. And Jesus says, my father's house is not going to be a house of merchandise. It's, it's a house of prayer. If you remember the story, he calls it a house of prayer. But in the Old Testament, God says this is a house of sacrifice. So you have God saying it's a house of sacrifice. Jesus, God in the flesh, later on calls it a house of prayer. 
and these are two really powerful images or, or you know this is very strong verbiage that God uses in both both cases but what we see is that the, the temple, the dwelling place of God, is a, it's two sides of the same coin. It's a house of sacrifice. It's a place where we bring our sacrifice to the Lord. It's where we worship Him and we sacrifice to Him. And it's a house of prayer. And this is what God says about His house. Well, later on in the New Testament, we also see that that. The, the temple of God is no longer a, a building. It's, it's, it's us. We, the people of God, are the temple of God. He speaks to believers and the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith in Jesus. He says, you are the temple of God now. We are his dwelling place. And so what we see here is, you know, this picture in the Old Testament, the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, which would find its fulfillment. God's dwelling place was ultimately Jesus. He was the tabernacle, the the human uh, dwelling place of God, God in a human body. But then Jesus goes on to say that we, when we become his children, when we become followers of Christ, we are his temple. And so we, as God's people, are a house of sacrifice. And we are a house of prayer. That's what our bodies are. We're to be about sacrifice and we're to be about prayer. You know, verse 13, Solomon goes on to say, uh, actually God goes on to say this to Solomon. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. And what, what, what we see here is God is referring back to what Solomon prayed previously in chapter 6. Solomon had prayed. He said, you know, all these divine punishments Solomon mentioned. And he, he said, you know, if, if, if your people, if we sin against you and you bring all of these, these divine judgments upon us, when you bring this calamity upon us, may we be able to come into your temple and find forgiveness in your presence. And, and here, here's what God begins to say. He, he says, when calamity comes, when these things come, verse 13, God invites us to action, verse number 14. All right, here's the verse that we all know but we don't always know the context. God says, when calamity comes, here's what I'm inviting you to do. Verse number 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God says, when calamity comes, when calamity, whether it's divine punishment for your sin or just, you know, when, when difficulty, when adversity comes, when calamity comes, God says it's like an alarm clock going off. And what it's doing is it's alerting you. It's shouting out to you and to me. When calamity comes, this alarm goes off that says, come to me. Come to me. You know, like, for example, 
a, a couple weeks ago, I was here in, in the church building and uh, I was in my office working, I was sermon prepping, and I heard this beeping start going off. And I'm sitting at my desk going, what is that sound? And I thought it was maybe the copier, the printer, like just beeping for some unknown reason, like, you know, like a fax. We don't get faxes anymore, but I was like, that reminds me of a fax machine just beeping. And I'm like, what is that going off? I just kind of brush it off thinking it's nothing. I start working again. What well, keeps going and going and going. All of a sudden I, I like realize, well, wait a second. Is that the beeping sound that goes off when I set the alarm? before I leave the building and I'm like, oh man, that gives me a minute to get out of the building before the alarm senses motion in the building. So I jump out of my chair, I run over to the door and I look at the keypad right as it counts down, three, two, one. And I'm like, oh no, the alarm's getting ready to blare in my face, like right here, right as I get to the keypad, sure enough, the alarm just blares and freaks me out. And I'm like punching in the digits, shutting it off and then going, oh my goodness. Okay, now I've got to call the alarm company so the police don't come and all this stuff happens. But you know, this alarm goes off to say, hey, come pay attention to me. I'm getting ready to go off here. There's something happening. I'm trying to get your attention. Warning, warning. Uh, like at home, we have smoke detectors, right? And we have in our house like super sensitive smoke detectors that, that the one in the kitchen and my wife will like grit her teeth right now as i talk about this whenever she's cooking and there's any like hint of smoke or you know exhaust coming out you know whatever anything going on our smoke alarm goes off which goes off throughout the house right and it's just like constant like oh turn off the smoke alarm get the fan off wave the towels like it's this family project to get the smoke alarm to shut up you know what i'm talking about but when an alarm goes off and maybe it's the same one when your alarm goes off in the morning you're ready to slap that thing or hit snooze or throw it across the room like an alarm goes off to warn you hey pay attention to me come 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 to me all right and this is what what god says here is Verse number 13, again, look at it. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, when calamity strikes, here is the invitation then. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. God says when calamity comes on a wide scale, it's not saying run and hide. It's not saying figure out how to solve the problem. God says when calamity strikes, come to me. When calamity strikes, it's an alarm going off where God is inviting us. Hey, come and, and there's there's a, there's a few things that i want you to do and god gives us like an an ift or an ifttt or an if triple t are you familiar with with this this term okay ifttt if this then that all right that's what it stands for 
If this, then that. What, what God gives us here is an if statement. If you will do this, then I will do that. And God gives us a, a promise that if we would do something, that he will be faithful to respond. He, he's, he qualifies it by saying, if, and he, he directs it at a certain group of people. If my people who are called by my name. And so he's addressing a certain, a certain segment of the population, a certain type of people. He's saying, my people who are called by my name. Then he was speaking to the nation of Israel, those who were, who were children of Jehovah, sons and daughters of the Most High. Those were his people. Now, in our times, in the New Testament times, you know, after Jesus came and he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, to offer us forgiveness from our sins, that if we would trust him, we would, we would have our sins forgiven. We would have the, the, the barrier between us and God removed so that we could now have a relationship with God, so that we could be sons and daughters of God. We would be called by his name. We have repented of our sins and we, have, we trust and we follow Christ. This is who we're speaking to. If we're applying it to us today, my people who are called by my name, that's what a Christian is. We are called by the name of Christ. We are little Christs. And so this is who he's speaking to. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ as you're watching this right now. Okay, you're off the hook for right now. I'm not talking to you, okay? You can listen in. But what I'm talking to is I'm not, I'm not talking to you, those of you who kind of come to church or tune in or just kind of casually observe from a distance or from the sidelines. I'm not talking about those who are born in America or who are born in the South who would go by the name Christian, but you're only a cultural Christian. No, I'm talking about those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and have trusted in him alone for their salvation and are doing everything that they can to follow after him because God has changed your heart. God has made you a new creation and now you follow him with your life. You don't just go to church. You don't just, you're not just a Republican. You're not just a cultural Christian, but you are a follower of Jesus Christ. This is who he's addressing and this is who I am talking to right now those of you that are serious about christ here is the if then statement if you follower of jesus followers of christ you are the one i'm talking to and he says this if you will if they will three things if they'll humble themselves if they will humble themselves I don't want to talk long here, but y'all, where is the humility in 2020? Where's the humility? It's hard to find because there's a lot of puffed out chests and chest thumping going on and a lot of arrogance. Y'all stop talking at people. Stop arguing against people. Stop dismissing people who have a different point of view than you do. You know what? There's, there's no compassion and there's no, there's no listening. There's no heart to help others. There's just a lot of 
declaring declarations and, and, you know, megaphone preaching, right? Listen, think critically. Think critically. Have an opinion. Those are important things. But if all you're doing is, is, is sharing those through a post on social media and you're not dialoguing, but you're broadcasting, you're just like a megaphone. You're just like a street preacher who is, who is screaming through a megaphone, repent or burn, turn or burn, die. You're going to go to hell if you don't confess faith in Jesus. Is their message true? Yes. Is their method wise and compassionate? No. No, because you know who listens to megaphone preachers? People who agree with them only. Nobody else hears. Nobody else is listening. Where's the humility, y'all? God calls us to humble ourselves. If we hear the alarm, if we see the calamity, whether you believe it's, it's real or man-made or government-prompted or big business, you know, endorsed, I don't care what you believe. There is no denying that calamity, turmoil, adversity is present in our world right now. There's no denying it. When calamity strikes, it's an alarm it's calling us to, first of all, as God's people, to humble ourselves. Quit stiffening your neck and your backbone and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. If my people will humble themselves. And then he says, if they will humble themselves and Pray and seek my face. Y'all, how much are you praying these days? How much are you praying these days? And I don't say this to condemn or to guilt trip you because when I look at my life, I am failing. How much am I praying these days? Am I spending more time in prayer these days than I was pre-COVID? No, not really. Shame on me. Shame on us. God has called us to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek His face. You know, one of the reasons I'm doing this series, Teach Us to Pray, is because of this personal conviction that I have that I need to pray more and that now is the time of all times to pray. How much are we praying, y'all? He's called us to pray when we genuinely pray and seek God's face. It will humble us. It will bring us to our knees. It will put our faces to the ground, like it says earlier in 2 Chronicles 7. When God's glory shows up, when His fire falls down, it brings us down to the ground in humility. Because, y'all, there is no room for arrogance at the throne of God. Because remember, His glory fills up the throne room. It fills up the temple. When God's presence is there, it humbles us. 
if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. For me, you know, I need to spend less time trying to figure things out and I need to spend more time praying and seeking His face and seeking His wisdom. Seeking His face. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and thirdly, and turn from their wicked ways. God calls us not just to pray and seek His face, but to turn from our own wicked ways. To turn from our wicked ways is, is what we call repentance. It means to change, to have a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. It's to turn the other way from our sin. You know, it is possible to pray and seek the Lord without, without actually turning away from our sin. We're trying to hold on to our sin and our ways and we're trying to seek the Lord and we can't do that. It doesn't work that way. We have to turn away from our wicked ways. We have to turn from our sin to turn and to, to, to chase after or to crawl after, if you will, on our knees after God. We've got to turn from our wicked ways it's about repentance. So let me ask us, are you growing in repentance? Are you growing in repentance? Martin Luther, who kind of, who, who was the spark of the, the Protestant Reformation, he was the one who, he posted the 95 theses on the, the castle church in, in Wittenberg. He, in Germany, he, he posted this, this set of of, of, of statements beginning with the statement that essentially said that all of life is repentance. In other words, all of our life, the more that we grow in Christ, the, maybe, the way that we progress in our faith in Christ is through repentance. The more you and I grow in our understanding of God and our, our relationship with God, the more we grow spiritually, the more aware we are of our own sinfulness our own wickedness and our own need for Christ and His righteousness that He freely gives us. And the more time we spend repenting of our sin, the more aware we become of sinful thoughts and sinful words and sinful actions, the more humility it brings us and the more that we have to turn away from our wicked ways. And God says, if, if this, if you will, humble yourself and if you will pray and seek my face not seeking all kinds of answers and seeking other worldly wisdom but seek me and seek my face and if you will turn from your wicked ways turn from your wisdom and your understanding and turn from your ways because my ways are so much higher than your ways if you will turn from your wicked ways if we will do these things, then it comes with a promise. If we do these things, God promises. He says, then I will do these things. Then, God says, I will hear from heaven. Remember, I am your Father. He is our Father, which art in heaven. He is distant, but he's not far away. I am in heaven and I will hear 
from heaven. And I will forgive your sins. And I will heal your land. You know, in, in, in the time when God is saying this to Israel, physically, he could have been talking about, you know, removing the calamity physically. He could have been speaking about, you know, restoring people back from, from captivity, you know, physically all kinds of things, spiritual healing, physical healing, all these things but, that this could mean. But, but what we're talking about here, when we apply it to, to us, if, if, if God's people as a whole would be united in humility and in prayer and, and, and seeking His face and united in, in, in repentance and having penitent hearts, God says, I'll hear you and I'll forgive you and I'll heal your land. Does that mean that you know, coronavirus is going to be wiped off the globe instantly? I don't know what that means. I don't know that God is going to do that, but it does mean that there is healing. Remember, God says there's healing in His wings. God would bring healing, total healing, healing of our spirits and our souls and, and our minds and this holistic healing that only God can bring. He says, if, if you will do these things, then I will answer. I will respond to you in faithfulness. I will respond with grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing. I will work, God says, if you will humble yourself before me. The bottom line is this calamity should bring us to our knees, not in despair, but in prayer. It should bring us to our knees, but it should bring us to our knees in prayer, in prayer, talking to God, Above all else, above all else, talking to God. God says, verse 15, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. God says, listen, now I am looking and I am listening to the prayers of my people in this place. Again, he's talking about his, his temple He's talking about, I've chosen this particular place. When you come together and you pray here, I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm, I'm looking and I'm listening. Because this was the place that represented the meeting place, the place where you met with God, you came into His presence. But again, now in 2020, we are the temple of God. We are the place where God dwells. And God will hear our prayers wherever we are, whether it's in the church building, whether it's in our home, in our bed, in our car, wherever we're at, God will hear our prayers. But there is power when God's people pray together. When God's people pray together. Matthew 18, 20, 18 verse 20, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am 
among them. God, God's people, when they are united together, two or three or more, when, when God's people are gathered together, when they're united in one place, with one accord, with, with, one, with one unified heart in prayer, God says, I, I am there right along with you. I am meeting with you. I'm gathering together in your midst. midst. When you come together in agreement, I am there right in the middle of y'all. There is something powerful that happens when we as God's people pray together, when we're united and agreeing together in prayer. Jesus says, man, I'm right there in the midst of y'all. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up the church on Sunday, July 19th. We're going to open it up. I know we're kind of going back and forth. We're, we're not going to open it up for services. We're going to open it up for prayer. We're going to open it up at 9 o'clock and 1045, our normal service times, actually 9 o'clock through noon. We're just going to open the building. And it's going to be open for prayer, for you to come and to pray, for you to get off of Facebook, get off of social media, and to get on your face before God and to seek His face. We're going to open it up for prayer. So if you want to come Sunday morning, anytime between 9 and noon, you can show up, you can pop in, you can stay for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, you can stay for an hour if you want. You can stay for 3 hours if you want and pray. But that's what we're going to do. I know y'all, we're all wanting to get back in person for our church services, myself included. But first, here is the call. Before we ever gather together for church services, y'all, our church, this house, this building, this has got to be a house of sacrifice and a house of prayer, first of all. This is what God has called this temple, this building, our temple, the temple of our bodies to be a house of sacrifice and a house of prayer. And that's what I'm calling us to do on Sunday is to come and pray. So here's here's how it's going to work. The church is going to be open from nine o'clock until noon. We're going to ask you to come in the building, if you want to come, if you feel comfortable coming, if you want to pray at home, if you can't make it here, that is okay. All right. No guilt whatsoever. Take the time to pray, to gather with us in prayer, wherever you're at. But if you want to come and pray in this building with us, we're going to ask you to come, pull in, park wherever, come in the right side of the building. All right. The right side of the building as you face the church building. Come in the right side, and then you're going to exit out the left side, okay? So one way in, one way out. You come in on the right side, we're going to have you register. We just want uh, your name and your contact info, okay? Just in case. Uh, We're going to get that. You can come in, um, wear a mask. We want you to wear a mask just into the building to wherever you're going to position yourself. Maybe you get on your knees at the altar. Maybe you grab a seat at a table or a seat um, somewhere on your own. Um, you can be distanced from others if you come with your family or with your spouse, with someone else. We just ask you to stay together, all right? Pray together. 
or at least be in the same area together as you pray individually. Um, but that's it. We're going to ask you to come and pray and seek the Lord's face. We'll give you some prompts and some things you can pray. But I just, man, I believe that God has said, it's good to talk about praying. It's good to grow in your understanding of prayer. But here is ultimately what I want for you, my people. I want you to be people of prayer. So I want to invite you to pray. And so this Sunday, okay, we're still going to have the church services playing online at 9 o'clock and 1045. Like normal, you may be just watching this on Sunday morning, not knowing about what's going on at the church. Hey, feel free to shut this off. Come to the church and finish this later. All right, we're open 9 until noon. We're going to be open as a church building, as a house of sacrifice and a house of prayer. All right. That is the audible this week. Hey, there's, there's another thing that I want to call us to as a church. I've been saying, get off Facebook. You know, again, using Facebook as a generic term for social media. Get off Facebook and get on your face before God. I want to challenge you to join me in doing that. Literally. Getting off of social media for, for a week. From Sunday to Sunday. From Sunday to the 19th until Sunday the 26th. What you see, if you read 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and chapter 7, what you see there is that the people, they, they partied, they celebrated, they worshipped for seven days. And on day number eight, the feast kind of came to an end. All right? Solomon ended things on day number eight. Here's what I'm calling us to do is to, to get off of Facebook and get off of our social media for seven days, starting on Sunday the 19th and saying, I'm off. I'm, I'm doing a social media fast. And whenever you're tempted to open up or log into Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever you're on, is to, when you're, when you're getting ready to do that, because there's going to come all kinds of moments where you're like, I'm going to check, wait a second, to take that moment as a prompt to pray to God. To pray to God about our church, about our nation, about our county, about your life and your family, about the people of God at Friendship Baptist Church. Whatever it is, to pray. And I promise you if, you, if you and I would pray, every time we would normally log into social media, man, we would be prayer warriors at the end of seven days. But you know what we need? We need to become prayer warriors. We need to pray, y'all. We need to humble ourselves to pray and seek His face and to turn away from our wicked ways. God says, if you'll do that, if my people will unite themselves together around this, around humility and prayer and seeking my face and repentance, I will hear from you. I will hear you. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive you and I will heal your land. Maybe God, you know, maybe all of God's people across this nation and world aren't going to be united. But listen, y'all, we have no control over that. We have control over 
the church, the body of believers that God has called us into. And if we would unite together in humility and prayer, seeking God's face and turning from our own sin, which means naming whatever sin that you can't let go of that you're holding on to and saying, I am for real this time. God, I want it out of my life. I'm tired of coddling the sin in my life and I'm turning from it. If we would, as God's people here at Friendship Baptist Church, if we would do this, God would hear from us and he would forgive us and he would heal all the crap going on, all the garbage going on in our lives and in our church. And y'all, we need the fire of God to fall upon us. We need the glory of God to fill this place. Our church, our people, you and me. Y'all, this is what we need. We need to stop all of the other stuff. We need to take a time out and we need to get on our faces before the God of the universe and beg for his mercy and beg for his grace, and beg for his forgiveness and beg for his divine favor. That's what we need y'all. And that's what I'm calling us to today. Well, the prayer I want to read to end our time together this morning, again, coming from this devotional, this book of prayers called The Valley of Vision. This one is called A Cry for Deliverance. Heavenly Father, save me entirely from sin. I know I am righteous through the righteousness of another, but I pant and pine for likeness to thyself. I am thy child and should bear thy image. Enable me to recognize my death unto sin. When it tempts me, may I be deaf unto its voice. Deliver me from the invasion as well as the dominion of sin. Grant me to walk as Christ walked, to live in the newness of his life, the life of love, the life of faith, the life of holiness. I abhor my body of death, its indolence, envy, meanness, pride. Forgive and kill these vices. Have mercy on my unbelief, on my corrupt and wandering heart. When thy blessings come, I begin to idolize them and set my affection on some beloved object, children, friends, wealth honor. Cleanse the spiritual adultery and give me chastity. Close my heart to all but thee. Sin is my greatest curse. Let thy victory be apparent to my consciousness and displayed in my life. Help me to be always devoted, confident, obedient, resigned, childlike in my trust of thee, to love thee with soul, body, mind, strength, to love my fellow man as I love myself, to be saved from unregenerate temper, hard thoughts, slanderous words, meanness, unkind manners, 
to master my tongue and keep the door of my lips. Fill me with grace daily that my life be a fountain of sweet water. And oh God, today we, we cry out to you for deliverance. Lord, would you deliver us from this body of sin? Lord, would you, would you help us to be humbled before you? Would you help us to, to pray and to seek your face, to turn away from our sin? Lord, would you reveal to us in our heart of hearts the sin that so easily entangles us? Lord, whatever sin we may be distracted by, entangled with, God is keeping us from chasing fully after you. God, would you reveal that to our hearts? And God, would you help us to turn away in repentance from our sin and faith towards you. God, thank you for the promise that if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, God, that you will hear us, that you will forgive us, that you will heal us. Lord, I'm praying for the one today that may need to turn from their sin for the very first time. God, would you give them the courage to do that? God, for all of us, would you help us to humble ourselves today? Lord, we need fire from heaven to fall upon us as your people. Lord, I pray for friendship, this family of faith that you have assembled, that you have organized together around the name of Christ, God, would you forgive us of our sin? Would you heal us? Would you help us to represent you? Would you help us to be ambassadors of reconciliation, that we would take the good news of the gospel everywhere we go? God, would you use us? Would you help us? Lord, we need you. We pray in the mighty, in the powerful and the gracious good name of Jesus.